The year is 1977. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and I'm joined today by an individual who seeks only death. He seeks total stellar <laughs> genocide. Beware. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Good. How are you, Dave? Oh, ominous. <laughs> ominous. How are you? No, I just don't think you start asking me, like, how are you? We already... We've already been talking for a few minutes. Uh, I like to save the pleasantries for the pod. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag content. People, people don't know. Here's the thing. If you tell me how you're doing before we start recording, the people listening in weeks' time aren't going to know. They're not going to be able yeah, to gather. We're, we're stealing them of precious podcast content. I feel like the general like kind of awkward, how are you, don't know what to say, is really what everyone craves from the My yeah. Marvelous Year Club. If it's not that then it's probably our journey from the origins of Marvel Comics through to present day, including the reading list, which you can find in the show notes or shared out over at patreon.com slash I think I would guess one of the uh, two. What people tune in for is speculation on what's going on under all that spandex for all these Marvel characters. That is definitely kind of your angle. Do. I feel like you've yeah, been getting a lot of you've calls from me. press lately <laughs> asking you, Zach, we need somebody with lots of takes on superhero sexuality. Um, meanwhile, my phone is very, very quiet, so I can I can see where your bread is buttered. <laughs> that's that's not how Comic Book Herald. Uh, I don't know. I, well, I mean, do you want? To, uh, we we just had this. I have nowhere to go with this. I was just going to talk about how we uh, start advertising for sex work and the uh, the Mantis thing in the Slack. You know, it sounded like you had a plan, um, and then and then you just fell back on advertising for sex work. And I gotta say, you lost me. We are open yeah, to sponsors. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I, I don't think we have a ton of reservations about really whatever it is you're interested in sponsoring. So no, I totally do. We're not going to just, uh, you know what? Like, oh, I would sponsor podcast anything. Sponsor. Ne- I mean, there's the like the normal <laughs> ones. There's the Casper mattresses and the you know whatever the the therapy on your phone app. Which is yes, I've heard that one a lot. Thing. Yeah. But there's this new one that's like, cool death water, sign your soul away for a case of refreshing death water. Death water? What does that mean? It's just trying, they're selling canned water. It's literally just like canned Mm -hmm. water, uh, like a buck fifty a can. But the marketing angle is trying to do this like, I don't know, heavy metal for like cool, nasty boys who, you know, you have to, to get your free case in the mail. You need to sign your soul away to us. And it's just trying to sell it on the back of like, you know. Making water metal and cool. We say the F word while we sell you water. Okay. All right. I haven't heard this one yet. It's really cringy. Well, hey, Deathwater, if you're out there, give me a ring at mymarvelousyear at gmail.com. I mean, if the number's right, yeah, sure. If the if the number exists, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So, again, this is my marvelous year. You are listening to 1977 Part One. We are kicking off a new year. Again, you can find all the reading lists that the club has. The, if you oh, feel sorry, like you're a little bit behind, you know, you're like, oh, I haven't caught up. I'm never going to be caught up. Don't worry. Don't you worry. The lists aren't going anywhere. I'm editing them moving forward as we go. And hey, I got to tell you, 1977, I think the most significant changes I've made to a reading list uh, in this in this podcasted recorded version of the club. Let yeah. Me, let me look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, so like I put these lists together in 2016 originally for the, the reading club that we did over on Comic Book Herald. And now, as we're going through them again for the podcast, I'm sort of evaluating um, if anything has been added to Marvel Unlimited that everybody could check out. And that's where we read all these comics. It's the most affordable, best way to do so, I believe. Um, but 77, there's a whole bunch. So, like, I added a bunch of Miss Marvel comics we're going to talk about today. I added a What If issue we're going to talk about today. I D. What's the word? I, I delisted a couple HTDs, a couple Howard the Ducks uh, yeah, out you. of generosity. I appreciate that. Out of yeah. the goodness of my heart, not because there's anything wrong with them. How dare you suggest such a thing? Uh, I, I had read some Iron Fist Laters. You read one of the HTDs that we removed? Well, we can talk about it when we get there. No, no, I read the one that we still read, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that it was the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Um, oh, and I added the origin of Spider-Woman and a Doctor Doom vs. Red Skull thing. There's a whole bunch of new stuff that wasn't here the first time. So again, if you want to find the show notes, if you want the lists... Uh, or if you want the list, you can find them in the show notes of the that's podcast. Not, that's not the one where Doctor Doom goes on vacation and the Red Skull takes over Latveria, is it? Mm, it's supervillain team up. That is not my main oh, takeaway from okay. it. Okay, I, I read. It's not a team up. They're ago. still fighting, so it that might but actually years be very ago close it was to it. literally it was Doctor Doom goes on vacation and Red Skull takes over Latveria while he's gone. And I wasn't sure if this is just a reprint of that. My primary memory of it is they fight on the moon. Uh, okay, nope. <laughs> but the skull might also have right. taken over Latveria. I'm, it we'll we'll get to that next year. Yeah. Well, you would remember, like, Doctor Doom destroying a casino because, like, the roulette machine or the, the roulette table wasn't going his way. Uh, that does sound like something that would be very, yeah. very memorable. We're going to cover it in part two, so don't you worry. You will be able yeah. to see. But again, today we are going to be talking about one of the best Marvel cosmic epics in the history of the publisher. Chills. Dave, I got chills. Chills. That's how I good get, this baby I, is. Okay, I didn't. I didn't literally get chills, but I got figurative chills. But I did literally gasp out loud at one page. Oh, can is, I guess which one? And yeah, sure. Was it was it early in Avengers Annual when you realize that Thanos has betrayed a certain popular MCU character? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I was, I was fine with that. That was a big no, shock. Well, well, We'll talk about it. Oh, no, surely talk. then it was what happens to Pip the Troll. Oh, I thought that's who you were talking about. No, what, no, no. What There's a bigger one. All right, let's talk about it. The first comic okay, we're going to yeah. talk about here is uh, it's a one of the weirdest crossover like combos you'll find in Marvel history. Oh, that is what do you also mean? It's, it's totally a natural, totally one -to -one -to -one normal progression of a now. series. Goes from Marvel Team Up number fifty-five to Avengers Annual number seven to Marvel Two-in-One Annual number two. You know, I feel like this is 1977's way of saying, you know, I think one day there's going to be a site like ComicBookHerald.com, and we need to give them some reason to exist. We need to give them some value in actually putting together reading orders and and checklists and things of that nature. Uh, so let's <laughs> do this Thanos saga and Adam Warlock saga across three completely different titles two of which are annuals. Yeah. Well, and doesn't that become the thing for a while with that they 
they start using the annuals as the place where events happen. Like a decade from now, yes, right, yeah, but yeah. We're, I where mean, it's like I like, said, it's a decade from now, yeah. and this well, isn't even I, really. I kind of like that, that idea. Uh, that's like a pretty good idea, so that you're not hijacking the main series, because that's like a very modern day complaint of like I'm just reading Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and now all of a sudden I'm sucked into I don't know Secret Wars or Civil War or whatever. You know, you know, and you don't care about that. So that that's I think that's a kind of a smart idea. Just to I'm with you. On it being yeah. a smart idea, the the weird thing about it is it never works. The oh, weird okay. thing about it is like <laughs> in theory it sounds good. Yeah, in theory it sounds better, um, but in practice it just it's never actually been very successful. And it's this thing that yeah, I think it defeats all of the you know modern complaints about crossovers hijacking series that you're talking about. But it for some reason it's just like I don't know it's never been done great. Um, hmm. But you know. Except here. Except here. Which is uh, When it's kind of just, you know, almost done by accident, it seems. But the first issue, Marvel Team-Up number 55, this is not by Thanos creator and Cos- Marvel Cosmic Godfather here, Jim Starlin. Um, it's by, actually, I guess really, like, Kirby's got to be the godfather, right? Is, is Jim Starlin just the or, father of Marvel Cosmic? Uh, is he yeah, just the big know. daddy? I, uh, yeah, if he's the big daddy, then Kirby's the all-daddy. Kirby's the all-daddy. Jim Starlin's yeah. the big daddy, yes. and then Dad Ab- Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, and Keith Giffen are the baby daddies? Those are, I don't know what those <laughs> Is that names what comes are. Next? I don't know who those people are. Yeah, yeah, I'm jumping ahead. Jumping ahead um, in the can. I didn't realize this wasn't Jim Starlin. I didn't, I didn't recognize that going along, but yeah, Bill Mantlo uh, writing and John Byrne as the artist. And John Byrne on art. But they are very much connecting to the Starlin Cosmic Saga because this is... Yeah. You know, for all intents and purposes, like this is Warlock number 16, but yes. recast as Marvel Team Up number 55 to bring Spider Man into the fray. <laughs> uh, AKA Spider Spider on the moon. Oh, yeah. He is on. And yeah, at one point, title. Peter Parker says, Holy cow, I'm on the moon, which I think is an appropriate <laughs> reaction. <laughs> so this is, a, this is one of those things I talk about with Spider Man where I don't think he generally works nearly as well when you take him out of New York City. Uh huh. Right? Like, uh, but I think this works about as well as it does in Infinity War, which I like and I think works. Yeah. Uh, because he's like reacting like he's totally out of his element. You know, he's not here and just right. like, oh, perfect. I'm on the moon. Uh, what? Who do I punch? Like he is completely out of his element. He doesn't he recognizes he can't like fight here on a an even playing field like um, him fighting the stranger, which comes up soon uh, is like he, you know, is kind of frightened that's a thing i like through these issues with spider-man is that he's frightened he runs away in the marvel god what is it the, the other one we read i can't remember all these titles this stupid in marvel 2 and marvel one, 2 anyway. and 1 yep yeah that's, yeah. that's the third yeah. part of the trilogy here so in team up yeah. the con- it's a continuation of what happened previously in team up basically that is what generates spider-man being launched into space where he is found by the still giant still confused and hovering over earth adam warlock if you remember from the end of Warlock number 15, he was made <laughs> mega size. Not even like Hank Pym, but like the size, like like where Earth is the size of his kneecap, you know? Yeah, enough that he definitely would have thrown off all the orbits of these planets if this, you know, was following the rules of gravity. Yeah, thanks for the input, Neil deGrasse Tyson. 
Wah, wah. Uh, well, actually, this this comic is no fun because it didn't <laughs> technically follow the rules of physics, and that's why I give it zero fun points. Yeah, on my fun scale, Adam Warlock being giant and rescuing Spider Man from a rocket, very very high. It's really really good. Wait, why is Spider Man on a rocket? I don't remember. You got to read Marvel Team Up number fifty four if you want that answer. It doesn't really okay. matter. He's on a rocket. Yeah, I know it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and. uh uh, well, you know another thing that doesn't really matter? How Adam Warlock gets tiny again. It happens almost instantly within the first like, yeah, two or three pages here. Much. He rescues Spidey, and then they both become regular-sized, and they land on the moon. On the moon, they are accosted by the Stranger. Now, we haven't really read many Stranger comics. I think we sort of flirt with them and then cut them out, typically, um, maybe for a bonus round. He's a cosmic entity who is not very interesting, uh, I'll no, say. No, he's... Uh... He's a cosmic entity, literally in name only, right? Like, he doesn't have any kind of interesting abstract concept behind him. He's not the personification of something. He's just like, I am powered. Yeah. And that's I'm yeah. an old man looking. Yeah, I, I covered him in an extra issues issue a while back in Fantastic Four. And it was literally just that. It was just like, I know not your ways, Earth people, but I do have superpower. Oh, no, it was X-Men because I think he stole all the... Uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to experiment on them. Oh, you know what? That does remind me. We did talk about him in the Fantastic Four story where um, the alien comes and he's got Reed fighting on his side. It's he's, He calls himself like one of the original Eternals. This was, uh-huh. I don't even remember when this was. The Stranger shows up at the end of that as kind of a Deus Ex Machina. Uh, but no idea. either way yeah. here. He, oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. <laughs> I remember him being there. Um but either way, he's around here and he wants Adam Warlock's soul gem, or so he thinks. Now, really what's happening in this trilogy, this 1977 trilogy, is kind of Infinity Gauntlet light. Like, we're getting the tale mm-hmm. here of the six gems. Now, we've seen them teased in the pages of Warlock, in the pages of Jim Starlin written comics. But th- in these three issues combined, it's the fullest um, It's the fullest vision of like what these six gems are could represent, especially when utilized eventually by a certain Mad Titan. At this point, though, Stranger's trying to get Warlocks. Spider-Man and Warlock lose to the Stranger in a battle. Spider-Man's sort of thrown away, and he finds another cosmic entity, who I quite like from a a future series, the Gardener. Now, the Gardener, his deal really loves gardening. He loves it. He's so into his garden, and that's his deal. Oh, also, he's hiding a soul gem. Yeah, so... We have six soul gems now. Six? Yeah, six. Uh, yeah. And Adam Morlock has one. The Stranger has one. And they're both on their foreheads, which I like. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that idea that they're all going to just be on foreheads, which I don't think actually pans out. That's the place to wear a gem. The Gardener is fine. The Gardener's a little more interesting. He's like the Stranger, but with a gimmick, you know? The Gardener like, is some co- dope about uh, 13 years from now. In like one single moment, I won't even say the comic because it kind of gives it away. But uh, yeah, here he's just sort of mysterious, and also yeah, yeah. the moon's getting a little crowded. We got the gardener yeah, there's up there. A lot of different... We got a Watu. We got or is Adelon up there at this point? No, it, it's not still. Nope. I think the Red Ghost and his super apes might still be up there. Either way, <laughs> the, the neighborhood. Yeah, just like the there. Himalayans, they're really packing this full of ongoing stuff. Yeah. So Spidey uh, returns to rescue Warlock versus the Stranger. Ultimately, the Gardener is the one who sort of like aids them in in defeating the Stranger to get him off his moon, so that the the Stranger can't realize you know the Gardener's got a soul gem he's been looking for. Um, but it's it's all like as far as team up issues go, it's way more interconnected. 
in in big picture Marvel cosmic stuff. And it, it offers a nice sort of lead in to the next two annuals, which are like big time event comics. Yeah, it's a nice, nice lead in. And I like that the team up makes sense in that like Spider-Man can't really do anything to the stranger except just like shoot webbing in his eyes and distract him. Right. Like he's not really a threat. He can right. just, you know, he can destroy the machinery that's holding warlock hostage but he can't like fight the stranger on his own and that becomes a thing over and over again which i like you know i like that all of a sudden he's not you know tipping the stranger over like the thing tipping galactus right he's not like they don't amp up his powers to put him on the same playing field definitely not the next issue in the sequence can you hold on just a second yeah well you can you can keep talking i'm just gonna take off my pants real quick because it is very hot in here (sighs) this is a My Marvelous try- Year First. I'm trying to keep it. A uh, My no. Marvelous Year oh, First. Je- Zach definitely. is undressing on camera. It is definitely not a first. I just usually don't tell you. It's not a first. I'm hearing here. This is the first time I've been live streaming it without without Zach knowing. I think that is maybe <laughs> well, I'm I picked trying to the ke- wrong I'm trying day to keep for it. my lower half out of your, your camera frame. Maybe that means I picked the right day. I Honestly, it could go either way, uh, depending on your perspective. So, okay, we are now pantsless. Thank heavens. Let's carry on. Yeah, please go on. Avengers Annual oh, number so seven cool. is next in the sequence. This is where the the event sized you know aspect of these comics really take off in earnest. And Avengers Annual number seven, it's written by Jim Starlin. It really kicks off with a bang. Like every every thread <clears throat> that was sort of hanging by the time Warlock ended gets picked up here and gets an ending. I think, which is really cool uh, that he gets the opportunity that Starlin particularly gets the opportunity to do that. And yes. Avengers Annual number seven it begins with the death of Gamora. Like that's how we open is Warlock that, finds her. We saw her. Gamora heading for heading to like hunt down Adam Warlock at the behest of Thanos earlier, and I think it was Drax the Destroyer, though I don't know if it was explicitly said, smashed into her vehicle and like crashed it, and we find her like now I don't know, like left for dead. Uh, yeah, she's she's dead. not quite dead. She she has enough time to tell Adam that it was her master, who we of course know to be Thanos, and that his plan is for total stellar genocide. Now, I don't know how much we talked about this, but there's always the the sort of essential information with Gamora and Thanos' relationship that she doesn't totally know he plans to just kill everything. You know, there's yes, always yeah. like that's kind of hidden from her. Um, but she finds out, and when she does, she tries to turn on Thanos. Thanos kills her as a result. And there's this ridiculous thread <laughs> that running through this where people keep dis- talking about like Gamora so far has been a bad guy, right? She's been a villain, and uh, sort of. I mean, she fights alongside Warlock versus the Magus. Right, but, like, with Thanos, right? She's at Thanos' behest. Yeah. Just, like, that's an enemy of my enemy thing. But, like, she's always been with Thanos, and it's only here at the end that she turns. And so they keep framing it as, like, Warlock and her could have been close. And people keep saying it, like, Thanos, who's killed, you know, so many people, including Gamora, who may have had a relationship with Adam Warlock if they had only had a chance. Like, they keep bringing it up. Like, if only they had been... (laughs) able to they probably would have made a cute couple and it like there's like four references to this and it's a very strange thread here because they have a conversation in this yeah i guess they don't get to hang out in um in casual times very often i mean she kind of pretends to be friendly with him back Uh before it was revealed that she was working at thanos behest so there's some of that I, i guess i always i always do see like romantic tension between warlock and gamora 
Although maybe it's because of the things you're mentioning. Maybe it's like just the insistence that like, oh, could have been there, could have been there. I don't. That's they keep a, saying that. That's they a dynamic saying, like, I do see. Yeah, because he was just there at her last moments. Yeah, which is just like good thing he's not like an EMT, right? And uh, just having uh, someone die on him, you know, every every other week, and he's just stacking up the like, oh, my lost love maybe could have been like this is my fifth lost love this year. I mean, that's kind of that oh, is man. actually kind of what Warlock's doing because he is uh, Warlock's. He's a little emo. Right, like he's kind of a little <laughs> proto emo, and uh, he's he's pretty upset about all the people that are dying. He feels like a failure, as we'll see by the end of this issue. So I I don't I don't think it you know it definitely weighs on his soul. Um, what happens from here is we go to Avengers Mansion. We cut away from the big cosmic opera, and uh, I actually I think right before that we see Thanos's ship blow up like a galaxy. Right, uh, so we, Captain Marvel comes and tells the Avengers about this. Okay, so Captain Marvel's telling the Avengers, hey, Thanos is out here. He's blowing up galaxies. Again, he's on a quest for total stellar genocide. And uh, guess what? He has collected these six gems. Let me tell you all about it. So we get Captain Marvel detailing how Thanos has accumulated these six soul gems, as they are known at this point. We still don't know <laughs> and it's them. So, it's so funny Infinity because Stones. it's like, you know, the, yeah, they don't mention that. But the, you know, like, collecting the six infinity stones is this big thing and like and there's going to be you know entire events wrapped around this and the mcu built 20 movies building up this point right yep and in this comic it is half a page five panels showing like and this is the five moments of thanos grabbing the five stones from five people yeah <laughs> and it's absolutely like an afterthought you know like it's a uh, it's very underwhelming if you consider what they are and the links that they go to later to to pull them all together well and what i find funny too is you know here thanos he gets them all he sneaks up on the stranger and he find he finds the gardener the gardener has just left his behind on the moon which is like gardener right, yeah. <laughs> what one of them's just in a cave uh, yeah, yeah yeah so he's so he's on his thanos quest errands he's picking them all up but then once he gets them he doesn't have warlocks yet because he's warlock is the only individual he fears but he puts them all into one big stone so he like, I feel like in, in a grave miscalculation, he collects five of the six soul gems, but then turns them all into one megastone uh, yep. to try. And like this gives okay. him some power, but it's clear at this point, knowing what these might become, and I'm explicitly not talking about them in detail because we're going to do so in, in the year 1991, um, but he clearly doesn't realize what they are, right? Because he's not using them as we know they can be used from, from later information. So, like, he kind of collects, like, five pretty things and turns them into, like, one unholy mashup. Yeah. I have no, like, <laughs> I don't have any particular thoughts about it. I mean, it's this is one of these things that, like, only matters because we know how they're going to transform this later, right? Yeah, if it didn't become anything moment, later, it... it would just be a forgettable MacGuffin, I guess. Yeah, um, exactly. It's yeah, still yeah. kind of a funny little twist. But, so, yeah. all right, so Thanos has accumulated all this power, the Avengers... Well, and then we get we get this scene... Of Pip sneaking onto Thanos' ship. Yeah. And just like walking around going like, Yoo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> and uh and literally like just snatched up bodily by Thanos and talking about him like Warlock's obnoxious little friend Pip. And uh and then later when Warlock comes across Pip, he's got his soul sucked out by Thanos. And I was fine with it. Oh, you monster. It's a harrowing scene. So alright, so we kind of skipped over no, it's, Warlock it's a, shows up really to Avengers Mansion. He shares some of this info. Captain Marvel ex expositions, Warlock expositions. Everybody's up to speed. Pip 
when Warlock finds him as the Avengers make their assault on Thanos' mm-hmm. ship, which Thanos leads his criminal pirate army here to attack, um, right. to attack our solar system, finds Pip as a statue, hollowed out, no mind, no soul. Shed a tear. Oh no! So Pull he's got a soul of your eye. That that I, that's kind of the thing. He's uh like his mind has been shattered by Thanos. So Adam Warlock actually sucks his soul into the soul gem. Yeah, because he like can protect him that way. It's no, it's a really good scene, and it's a testament to like how good the writing and effect of this is. Because like I don't really care about Pip, but this was still a very harrowing scene. I don't know. Pip is just kind of like he feels really unnecessary to this whole thing. Uh, it's like you haven't read Berserk, have you? The new Jeff Lemire comic. No, the manga. No. That has a very similar character in it, where it's, like, very serious goings on always, but there's just one, like, little fairy creature who hangs out. Little jokester. It's kind of, like, the comedic relief jokester, and it just really feels, like, totally tonally out of, I don't know, unnecessary, and the, the tone doesn't really work. But that's just me, because people seem to love Pip, so, like, maybe, maybe that's just uh, me. I, I, was, I actually would... It's probably about 50-50. Um, I yeah, wouldn't say okay. I love him by any measure. I think, I think what no, Thanos' behavior him, here does fine. towards the world... No, I'm a huge Pip fan. You're right. Um, He's got that Pip-Pip? cute little belly. Yeah. Oh, I, satyrs I in general can't get yeah. enough of them. It's... Oh, my gosh. I love satyrs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Pip and but, but Gamora... But you're talking about the, uh, the Jewish holiday, right? Yeah, I wish it came more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We or celebrate the, but yeah, once like, a year. It's not a holiday. It's what? It's the Passover meal, right? I just, I'm rolling with it because clearly I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think what this goes to show is it's actually the most villainous we've ever seen Thanos, even though obviously we've seen him as this huge cosmic threat. Uh, I feel like here he's the most cruel and sort of calculating, you know? Yeah, like what sure. he does to Pip here is cruel. He turns on Gamora in a, in a cruel way, right? And and ultimately, like he's going for total stellar genocide. He's upping the ball game here. He's not just trying to become god and and maybe rule with some sort of iron fist. He is trying to kill everyone <laughs> and everything. So and we get some more explicit uh, laying out of his motivations that like he's literally courting Lady Death. That the, yes. <laughs> he used to be in her good graces, but then I guess when he failed earlier, she kind of like turned her face from her turned her face from him mm-hmm. and now he's trying to rewin her favor by like you know really up in the ante yeah and really like you know stellar genocide like you said yeah he's um, doing it all for death yeah which i think i think this series uh eventually will really need a good compelling argument for that like this is fun in as much as like it's an interesting weird motivation that i understand if this just continues at this level i'm gonna get bored with this like i kind of need something more underpinning this you know like you fighting for death you mean yeah like i need you know some psychological reason why he's obsessed with the personification of death or some like philosophical something underpinning this besides just like he's hmm. a nihilist or something because it like right now it literally comes across that he loves this woman right he just has a love for this woman yeah how i mean i guess i actually am a bit confused by that i don't think you're alone because I mean, there's a series called Thanos Rising, which is five issues, like, trying to detail his origin and sort of explain this. I hate it because I don't want that explanation at all. I guess, too, what I would say is how do you... Literalized. How do you put into words, like... Like, like if you... Well, this is a bad example, but, like, he loves something, I guess. You don't necessarily need a lot more than that to get the why. But it's not, like, a person, right? Not really. Well, it's a personification. But it's an... Yeah, exactly. But, like, is he... Like, does he love her because he's, like, hot for her? 
right? Or does he love her because she represents something to him? Like it, it that it's just like it's I mean, a little... you tell me what love is, Zach. You tell okay. me. It would be kind of like if the Infinity War movie Thanos' whole motivation was this like wiping out half of everything, but they never said why he wanted to do it, right? Like he never got into his whole spiel about balance and that Titan was you know wiped out because of overpopulation and overconsumption and no one listened to him you know like i i guess i don't i don't need it maybe laid out like in such explicit terms but i think i just would like a little bit more in the future like i'm not really even complaining about this yeah no i I hear what you're saying it's pretty it's pretty fresh now and they're they're fleshing it out a little bit more and talking about it more Mm -hmm. i just uh i think at some point like I think it will just become less interesting seeing this over and over again as being his only motivation. Well, I think I, also, I like, think on one hand you're right because it is going to it is going to expand in in some slightly new directions. I, I would push back and say I think saying like I was wronged as a child, therefore I I love death and I want everyone dead is is just so much less interesting to me. Oh, it, I mean, if that's what happens, that sounds boring, right? Like, that, that doesn't sound like a good motivation. Yeah. Like, I, I I guess I'm saying, I want an explanation that's nuanced and interesting, you know, which is a an ask, right? Yeah, to, maybe. I I don't yeah. know if it'll get there or not. I guess we'll we'll the, f- see if, you, if it does it for you later. The other, like, real nitpick I have here is that I feel like we're seeing a lot of Thanos lately. Right. And I know this is like Jim Starlin's baby and he's at Marvel right now. So he's doing it. But this is like the third big story with Thanos we've read in three years. That's and pretty I spread out, honestly. I mean, I guess maybe once a year he has a Thanos. There's a Thanos event. But like, I, I don't know. I uh... Well, you get you get good Thanos in 75 when he shows up and has to, to team with Warlock against the Magus. Right. You get some cameos in 76, but he's not really prominent in Warlock 12 to 15, which we read. And then you get the big one here in 77. So I, I think actually over the course of three years, there's like two mm, big yeah, Thanos Yeah, maybe it's just the pace we're reading it at. Oh, and then I we had Captain Marvel right before like... that. So so like three and four years, I actually think it's fairly spread out. And the other thing too is like, it's going to stop. <laughs> Once we finish Marvel 2 and 1 and who all as we'll get to, like it stops for a crazy long time. Okay, yeah, I was just thinking like... You're Thanos out. Thanos is such a big deal when he shows up and he always works really well that mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like... I really only want to see him every like three or four years in I, it to be like, yeah, oh shit, Thanos is here. I think you're on right? something there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, yeah, they, I don't think they're really oversaturating it yet, but like this is the beginning of leaning into like, oh, this is, people love this. Let's, uh, let's give him four solo series. Modern Marvel com- comics has yeah, done yeah, this, yeah. uh, uh, abhorrently, I would Ad say. nauseum, yeah. Actually. Um, so, yeah. But in Avengers Annual number 7, all the Avengers attack Thanos. It's they also, struggle. I think this is he beats up the a bunch best. of them. Jim Starlin writes the best Avengers comic, like, as an Avengers comic. Um, not, like, as his cosmic thing. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. on-the-ground Avengers. Like, he gives all the Avengers time to breathe and lets their personality show. Like, Iron Man, his Iron Man's worry that they're not coming back. He's talking about, like, you know, they're going off to space and he's going to you know, basically die in space unremarked, uh, and each of them get to showcase their powers in really interesting ways. Yeah, he's he's a very good Avengers writer as well as the cosmic writer. I kind of, like, was hoping, you know, oh, maybe now that Adam Warlock's done, he'll take over Avengers, but... <laughs> Is that your review of Avengers? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, so I, I totally agree. He's a really great Avengers writer. And and it shows here. And, you know, the battle is fun, whether it's Avengers taking on some of Thanos' one-off space criminals or the Mad Titan himself. Uh, it kind of mm-hmm. all comes to a head when Warlock and Captain Marvel confront Thanos. And mm-hmm. 
Thanos defeats Warlock like really easily. <laughs> like crazy easy. Um and to the point that Warlock and and company like he's he's dead. Like he's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of how Wait, it No, no. No, no, no. You're you're missing the most important part of this comic. He gets knocked out by Warlock or Warlock knocks Thanos Jesus Christ. Thanos knocks Warlock out. Yeah. Iron Man and Thor team up to uh Thor distracts Thanos while Iron Man destroys the big synthetic gem and then Thanos just with one blast blows the place by the way up. one repulsor ray destroys the the <laughs> five soul gem combo which Thanos right, has yeah, not yeah, secured yeah. in any way but good right. job Iron Man and he just like disappears in this big flash of light right. Thanos right and then that leads into the page that made me halfway through it I realized what was happening and I gasped oh yeah yeah you're right which is that they replay the same exact page of Adam Warlock showing up from the past to suck the soul out of present Adam Warlock. Yeah. And I went back and I like found the issue of, I think it's an issue of Warlock, mm-hmm. where this happened and compared. And it is like shot for shot, like dialogue line by dialogue line, except for I think Captain Marvel being in the scene now because he's there watching it happen. It's like He's like hiding line, though, so he... you could almost make it work. Yeah, sure. And then, I mean, the cool thing is that like we read that before. And it had a totally different context because before our antagonist, or sorry, before our protagonist was the Adam Warlock coming to suck the soul out of the other Adam Warlock. Right. And this time, our protagonist is the Adam Warlock who's having his soul sucked out. Yeah. And, like, the context is completely different. All this foreshadowing has been laid here, even though it's word for word the same, and it's so cool. This is, like, one of the coolest little, like, callback tie-in things Maybe the coolest thing that we've read so far, at least to me, like I was blown away by this. I thought this was so cool. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's you know, pretty it's awesome. Hidden away in Avengers Annual Number Seven, which is like how many people actually got to read Warlock thirteen or whatever in Avengers Annual Number Seven and like see this loop closed. Yeah, I think my biggest, I love it. The, I love the idea. I love that it's two years planning that goes into it. I think my biggest like complaint with it is when Warlock visits the Warlock of the future that he needs to kill. Back in the Mages Saga, which we read in 75, Mm -hmm. um, that warlock is so dejected and so utterly like, I failed, you know, of course, kill me. I don't feel like knowing now what he's been through and (laughs) and seeing him through this Thanos battle that that's warranted. Like, it doesn't seem like he he should be at his ropes. He thinks that everybody is dead and that like Thanos has escaped. He thinks Thanos has won and it's all over, I guess. I guess if you put him in that mindset, it's better. Yeah. But otherwise, it's more just like, I lost Gamora and Pip, and I feel like, yeah, you know, that's not nice, but (laughs) is it like, should you be suicidal? I don't know. Yeah, I lost my, like, my cigar smoking troll friend and a potential girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, but you make a good point. If you put him in the mindset of Thanos won well and truly, then then it does work a little bit better. Well, because they don't quite... I feel like we missed an issue between this Avengers Annual and the Marvel 2-in-1. No, that's just how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, the end of this ends with, like, the Avengers standing around and Thanos is gone Mm -hmm. and Adam Warlock is dead, right? That's the, like, pin on this is Adam Warlock has died and Thanos has disappeared. Well, what we do know, though, with the death, which I wanted to say, is Warlock and Pip and Gamora, their souls are all now in the soul gem, right? Right. So they are dead. Oh, including that guy who was the, like... The the, potato with six arms? Yeah, exactly. He's in there, too, which I love. Yeah, call back to uh, to Warlock villains from the Warlock saga. But yeah, they're all hanging out in the Soul Gem. And, like, Warlock is happy for, like, the first time ever, right? He's like, this is finally peaceful. So, okay. But yes, Thanos gets away. Yeah, so... He's still plotting. And this ends with Captain Marvel, 
Thor and Iron Man standing over Warlock's body. And then it's continued in the story of Marvel 2 and 1 with Spider-Man and the Thing, where they show up and all the Avengers are captured and Thanos is, like, winning again. Mm-hmm. And, like, you feel like you missed an issue where this happened. Uh, I don't even know, like, maybe it's in the recap where they explain that, like, Thanos I, showed back up. It's kind of just talked everybody. away. It's kind of just yeah, talked yeah. away. But basically, yeah, he's just like, yeah, oh, I, it is. Yeah, I came back it now. Like, and I captured all of them. So it's like half a page just explaining that, like, yeah, yeah, Thanos won again. He's got the soul gem back. Uh, he's got the soul gem. But the uh, the interesting thing here is we get introduced to the characters of Chaos and Order, Lord, Lord Chaos, Chaos and, and Master, Master Order. Order, baby. Yeah, cosmic entities, and they are a little unhappy with Thanos' total stellar genocide plans mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it disrupts their either Chaos or Order. So they call out some champions of their own, and they're champions are Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and Benjamin J. Grimm, The Thing. Odd Who's choices. just on the moon. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, somewhat odd choices. There's a really nice scene here where uh, Pete and, and Ben are getting together where uh, Spider-Man sneaks into the Fantastic Four Tower. And we've talked about in the Silver Age how much we love Ben Grimm getting spooked. And boy, oh boy, he's reading some vampire tales late at night. <laughs> he's reading Salem's Lot, yeah. <laughs> puffing on a cigar. And, and Spider-Man sneaks up on him from above, taps his shoulder, and Ben is so spooked, he swallows his cigar. It's a nice You've got any idea beat. how much that cigar you just made me swallow cost? Very nice comedy beat. Um, but yeah, the duo yeah. team up. They take an FF jet up to Thanos' ship, uh, kind of you know feeling out this cosmic hunch, which has been placed upon them both. And basically, the, they go the there to fight Thanos. The characterization between the like banter between Spider-Man and the Thing is like all-time top stuff. Yeah, like because he really knows how to write the Thing. Like I think a lot of writers stick with like the thing is just a hothead and that's his whole thing is that he's this like out of control maniac including stan lee Mm -hmm. does that and i think it's much better when he like is kind of like j jonah jameson where like he can be screaming one minute and then like a smooth talker the next right like he can kind of bounce back and forth between these two things and he does that with spider-man like they have like he's mad at him and spider-man's like he's you know yelling at spider-man spider-man tells him to shut up he's like i need a spaceship and he's like oh why didn't you say so this way like you know he he does like listen to reason and he is you know like can be charming which is the fun ben Grimm, like a mixture of a temper and a charm yeah there's a a temper and a charm that's that's a sentence that exists oh he's a classic temper and a charm gentleman uh, there's a nice moment where where Thanos explains his plan to them, and Ben has a very somber moment where he's his text actually gets small, like it gets small in the bubble, and he's like, "But why, man? Like just trying to understand <laughs> Thanos's you know crazed uh, crazed love for death, which is actually really the question you were asking earlier. Um, so to no one's surprise, Ben cannot beat up Thanos on his own. Spider Man is fairly useless and uh, just goes and hides basically, and and Thanos pulls a classic villain. Ah, forget him. He can't do nothing to harm me. Um, Mm -hmm. As Chaos and Order sort of discuss, like, well, looks like our Spider-Man and Ben plan didn't go perfectly, but guess what? Our real champion here is none other than the soul of Adam Warlock, who was called back from his soul gem paradise. Well, Spider-Man comes back, he releases the Avengers who distract Thanos, and then Spider-Man smashes open the soul gem container thing. Yeah, Spidey saves the day. Well, there's an awesome fight. There's a, a one page that's like one of the coolest fight scenes of Thor and the Thing both trading blows with Thanos, and they're on either side of him, mm-hmm. and it's oh, so good. Such a good page. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Adam Warlock comes out. His soul pops out of the soul gem. He calcifies Thanos, right? Freezes him and... in the iconic arms extended, like you're doing a shoulder raise, 
you know, but your arms get stuck that way. It's a way. little bit like the th- like doing the thriller. A little bit like doing the thriller. He's kind of, you know, yeah. he's busting a move because he's winning the fight against Thing in the Thor. And uh, and yeah, Warlock calcifies him. Warlock comes out all fiery and golden and kind of looks like, uh, that always kind of reminds me of the perfect man from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, we've had that comparison made many times in the Slack. <laughs> yeah. They like they clearly had just seen that movie. <laughs> okay, for sure. Uh but yeah, so this is this is the end of Thanos, the Mad Titan, frozen in this rocky state. And I gotta tell you, as somebody with bad shoulders, my, the idea of my arms being stuck up like that for so long is mm-hmm. is hellish. That was cruel. Although And they make a point to say that like he's still alive in there and, and crying. He can't, <laughs> he, tears can and cry. crack yeah. through, because we do see a single tear when he recognizes that he failed in his efforts to woo uh, Lady Death. But uh, Warlock restore, goes back to the Soul Gem when all is said and done. The Avengers go on home, and that was well, the, the 70s cosmic They bury saga. Warlock. There's a shot of Warlock's tombstone, yeah, which uh, says, God Slayer, Savior of Two Worlds and Tormented Soul, may he now rest in peace. 1967 to 1977, which, I don't know, for whatever reason, him being 10 years old is like, aw, baby. Well, that's true, because he was created in a lab, though, so it's not even just, like, like comics goofy. Uh, I do need to put in my will that that's what I want on my tombstone. I Savior of two worlds and tormented soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, you know, it's a a weird detail that I don't know if this means anything. Right in front of his tombstone is uh, just the soul gem sitting on the grass. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, next time Thanos goes questing, it's just going to literally be sitting there. The the care taken with soul gems <laughs> at this point in time is not yeah, right, what you right, want. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah, so that does it for the biggest event that we really have oh, it's in the 70s. It's good stuff. That's going to take I, us. I've been saying, I'm, I'm curious, is Starlin, Starlin stuff between it? He doesn't have one consistent series, right? Like, the, he isn't, like, stuck to. I mean, he's doing Captain Marvel. But um, mm-hmm. he's like so spread out among stuff we're reading, right? He's not like, I wouldn't say any one of these series is my favorite, but I would say Jim Starlin comics are like definitely my favorite at this point. Like this really solidified this above anything else we've read. Like everything we've read by Jim Starlin, like Jungle Action, Spider-Man, the other stuff that I like read a lot of Luke Cage, like Jim Starlin has really come out as my favorite creator so far at Marvel. Yeah, I would say as far as 70s comics go, I mean, the real creme de la creme is Panther's Rage, the Starlin Cosmic Saga, and then obviously we're just dipping our toes into the Claremont Cockrum era of Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, and Claremont is like a real B-plus for me right now, and we'll see if that, you know... Save your Claremont shade for... Yeah, no, no, I like it. I mean, a B-plus is very solid. Stop saying how much you despise the man, how you think he's worse than Roy Thomas. I know, there's a lot of people... Oh, that's not true. There's a lot of people like... Still really wringing their hands about how I was like 75 Claremont was like, uh, it's fine. It's not very good, I guess. It's not, it's not great. People are like, ah, I guess if you look at it really, really objectively, then technically it's not good. But I still am not comfortable saying that because it's Claremont, you know? I mean, I think there's there's it's hard to separate what you know is going to come. With some of the stuff, sure. if you've read right. ahead yeah, yeah. a little bit, and I think X Men is particularly yes. hard to do that because they're well, because I mean it's stories. Nightcrawler and it's Wolverine and it's Colossus, right? Like, yeah, and it's the beginning of those characters. No, I, I get it. Like, it's still fun. Like, I like it, but I just think I don't know. I, I'm excited to get like I'm still excited to read every issue of X Men we're doing. So I'm excited to get into that in part two. As you should be. Speaking of beginnings, new character in the Marvel Arsenal. Actually, not a new character. But a new comic book series. Uh, new hero. Launching a new hero. Yeah, it's Miss Marvel. Number one. 
And we actually read kind of a hodgepodge Ms. here. Marvel, excuse me. Yes, MS. Ms. Marvel. This is Carol Danvers taking on her new superhero name. She is oh, what is the what is the bad catchphrase they put on these? A woman who fights back, a female who fights back, something Ooh, like I that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, Oof. yeah. It's on like the first three covers. Oofa doofa. Um, but it's clearly Marvel trying to tap into that mo- moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Sure. Right? I mean, she, like they're she is the... intentionally launching a, a female-led series in, in an effort to capture a moment, which you could read as cynical or, I guess, like actually a good thing because they don't have a lot of female superhero-led magazines. This one is written by Len Wein, I believe, at least initially. They literally don't have any female-led magazines. They had like a four-issue miniseries of The Cat. Yes. And, uh, we had Night Nurse at one point for like a one-shot. Yeah, but like, uh, okay. We really don't... <clears throat> we don't. Like there, actual... There is this the actual solo... first? Is that right? Besides The Cat. The Cat was like four issues and you know, she that. turns into yeah. Tigra eventually, but... You know, and that was women. That was written by a woman too, which was kind of neat. Um, which is a big deal, but, definitely for this period yeah. of time, because because Miss Marvel is not. And so when we get to issues seven, nine, and ten, those are written by Chris Claremont, actually. Speak of the devil. Um, so we'll talk about that. He writes Carol's book for a bit. I'm actually kind of like flipping through here. Yeah, I don't. It's not just that. Like, I'm not just leaving the um the female led superhero magazines out of the My Marvelous Year Club as as a classic chauvinistic pig. Uh, they don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Like, they don't exist. So there are female characters, obviously, but they don't actually get their own headline magazine spot uh, until Ms. Marvel here, which is kind of wild. Yeah, yeah, Um, Although I suppose, given the history of comics, not altogether surprising. So yeah, this is the debut of Carol in her Ms. Marvel. Guys, again, we read a hodgepodge. Uh, I added issues 7, 9, and 10 because they are written by Claremont, because I find that inherently interesting, and because there's a lot of weird MODOK stuff. But Zach, what did you think of her debut issue number one? I, I liked it. I really liked it. Mm. They are clearly trying to make her kind of like uh, tap that lightning in a bottle they got with Spider-Man, right, with this, yeah. which I feel like weirdly they don't try to emulate you know like the closest thing i've seen to this is luke cage where they're really trying nova. to make like a yeah i haven't read enough of nova i guess to say that but yes you're right the first issue of nova was definitely like that but like they're trying to make her you know a very like oh she's a you know a young personable woman who's not like you know like tony stark and captain america don't have these big robust personal lives right they're very very wrapped into the ongoings of superheroing um but Peter Parker, definitely, like, his personal life is half the magazine. It kind of feels like that's what they're trying to do here. To the degree of which she works for J. Jonah Jameson and is best friends with Mary Jane Watson. I didn't know these <laughs> details. Know, like... I did not know oh, these yeah. details were a part of Miss Marvel's mag until I, I was reading these and added them to the club. Um, yeah, so she, 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 she got... works for, like, a side mag. What is it? like? Well, she loses her jo- woman, woman magazine. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say woman's power, yeah. but yeah, just, just woman. And she uh, lost J. Jonah her job Jameson. as security chief. Because she crashed airplanes into the sides of buildings. It's like, just like three too many times. They just needed her to get there in one piece. Just get the equipment there in one piece one time, and she yep. couldn't do it. It was. It's a shame because she's a decorated Air Force pilot, <laughs> but as security <laughs> chief, she couldn't pull this off. Um, but yeah, so we've we've seen Carol. For those who are joining us, you know, later in the club, we've seen Carol on the pages of Captain Marvel as a as a um, security officer running facilities and, and now like the liaison for captain marvel yeah and now we're seeing her return which is actually kind of a cool like it's kind of a cool thing in marvel history where you have this i mean t- she's totally a supporting character you know what i mean like it's and not barely like she's not like she's not a major a one or jjj yeah. right she's more like flash thompson right like 
I even pretty even smaller though, just because you know yeah, probably, she hasn't been yeah. around as long. Yeah, it is sort of like the equivalent of um Randy Robertson becoming like a big yes. time hero. Yeah, that's a better one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cool that they did so. I think you know she's a she's a really interesting character. I mean, her power set is kind of like it's kind of like all purpose Superman. You know, mm-hmm, it's just right, like she can yeah. fly. She's super strong. Um, I think one of the she biggest kind of senses the future, right? That yeah, that's wild. Coming up. That's wild. Yeah, which... right doesn't last i don't think yeah do you want to talk about how she gets her powers because i'll be honest i'm a little baffled by this every time i think about it okay so she this is an interesting conceit of the comic i think in that she doesn't have a good memory okay she actually doesn't know she's miss marvel she keeps snapping back and forth between being miss marvel and carol danvers and then she doesn't she's like oh what did i do last night like my head hurt yeah and she doesn't realize it and she has all these like foggy memories and she doesn't remember where she came from and then I think, like, slowly they're going to unify and she's going to, like, you know, get her memory back and figure out that she's Miss Marvel. Like, right. Or she does in the pages of, like, 7, 9, and 10. She starts figuring that out. Right. But her origin, because I read the second issue because it talks about this. Her origin is that Captain Marvel and Yon-Rog, his rival, were fighting. It's You know, it actually surprisingly was literally just like the the movie, the Captain Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, which it's is just really that, loyal like, to that. She's, she's around while some Kree technology explodes, it just blasts her with radiation. The psych magnetron. Yeah, whatever. That's going to come up. (laughs) Is it really? I mean, that gets referenced all the time. It's part of her origin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she just gets, like, blasted with radiation, and it makes her powerful. And it's, like, super simple, and it's weirdly a scene we're going to see a lot. Like, I remember seeing this in future Captain Marvel issues. Um but yeah, it's a pretty boring origin. Like that's pretty pretty standard it. superhero stuff. You got blasted with some I mean, radiation, and I, I screwed up the that, uh, like, the creators here, which I should clarify here. This is actually by yeah. Jerry Conway is the writer, and uh, ah. John Buscema does art on the first issue that we talk about here. I think what's interesting about her is that she's got this whole Cree thing going on, and I think they really sell that. That like she, I, I feel like we missed something in the club because she talks about being on the Cree home planet and like going through training. And she's got all these confused memories of like being a Kree warrior. Yeah. And I don't that that is not quite cleared up for us right now. But I, I think all that's interesting. I really liked issue one because it was like her trying to balance being like, you know, oh, I'm going to be sociable. I'm going to gain friends. I'm going to be the boss of this new magazine with all this Ms. Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. And then seven, nine and ten, I kind of lost interest because Modoc and AIM were not that interesting to me. Yeah, so starting with issue number three, Chris Claremont takes over as the writer scripter of Miss Marvel comics. And starting with uh, one of the challenges I think that Miss Marvel has in this magazine is it's it's really hard for the creators here to find like a villain set that works for her. Honestly, yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind Bird. of Deathbird comes in and she's one of the more she's one of the more stable ones, I guess, in the sense that like there's some some shelf life there but honestly like she's kind of just flitting around the marvel universe and maybe it's like a cameo by like tiger shark i think comes in at one point um but modok's probably <laughs> like modok's like almost the most consistent i guess oh weird uh it well just just kind of through this part of you know just through 77 in particular he he captures miss marvel captures carol um you know in his efforts with aim and he what modok does i think is uh notable because he does this thing where he like possesses her mind and he kind of takes her uh-huh. over and when doing so he puts in these creepy glimpses of like he tries to like well i'm gonna use you as my warrior or wait no actually i'm gonna turn myself into a handsome man and we're gonna smooch and like there's yeah, a so, real yeah. creepy sort of uh, um, purple man okay. almost uh sexual creepy like or, perversion uh, there creepy or very sensual and very arousing 
sensual and arousing. That's one way to describe the oh, the oh, Modok. Yeah, oh yeah, you haven't been waiting for sexy Modok, please, Dave. I'm please. waiting for sexy Brodok, which you probably don't even know about. Um, You've talked about him, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm uh, never uh, waiting for sexy, sexy Modok. Modok was it's a, it's the a only weird twist for Modok to even be interested. Like, doesn't he seem like the sort of character that just like would never be interested in hitting on an Avenger? Oh, please don't. I mean, Modok has his flaws, but we don't need to like sex shame him okay he's a sexual being as are a lot of people and we shouldn't shame him for that just because he's a little different you know i'd like to apologize here uh we have shamed <laughs> to all the modocs designed only for killing and i think that is unfair uh we should Machines not have only designed for kissing it, <laughs> exactly you know there's actually one of my favorite miniseries from 2015 secret wars was modok assassin uh and he's got a thing for angela queen of hell uh, so oh, okay. look for that when we get to 2015. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else to talk about with these issues. Like she fights AIM. Modok is the. I mean, if, unless you have something else, there's nothing else here. Like grab my attention. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out is they don't stand out. Unfortunately, um, I yeah. again but, like you get Deathbird's yeah. introduction. She's got um oh, big yeah, wings yeah. and she's kind of oh, working for modok she... and uh yeah i mean if you have seen her you have seen her um i think she might be a oh. dave cockrum design so that's interesting honestly the most interesting thing to me is they're written by claremont i'm very interested in non-x-men claremont books from this time period just because i think it's kind of like obviously those don't get as much attention and it's miss marvel i just like i wish the series was better i don't know it's hard to put it's hard to articulate like i wish there was something more to grasp onto here i do too but uh i have a question do you think that this is a good female-led comic book? Do you think she's a good female character? Well, those are two different questions. Because I don't think it's a particularly good comic book. Like, No, no, I, no. Oh, fine. yeah, yeah, okay, yes. So do you think she's a good female character? So that's the harder which... question, and I think the one... Honestly, I don't think Carol Danvers... I'm not that interested in Carol Danvers. And I hate saying that because I wish I was more into her. But like of, of female characters in the Marvel Universe, I like Jen Walters a lot more. Like there are, yeah, sure. There are okay. Which, no, no, no. I'm just asking. Like, is she a good representation? Right. Like, and I think I think the answer is yes. Is what I'm getting at. I think she's a pretty good female character. Like, especially leading her own mag. I don't like think in mag terms of truly being like, hey, is this actually like like what a uh, a woman should like that she's not just like like or not behave. You know, like, is this a what a woman should act like? Fainting. I guess she does faint from headaches, but there's like a good reason for it. Like she's, she's not, not Silver like, Age Sue Storm, I guess is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I and the fact yeah, that like, that's fair. The the most like female thing that they underline about her is that she works for Women Magazine, but that's not like a constant throughout this. You know, like I feel like well, what it's not we read, like a it's not like a man's stereotype of like you know oh and she's talking about clothes and perfume all the time or something exactly right and, it's not that and there's not like besides JJJ. There's not like, because uh, the Avengers have Hawkeye always commenting on the women characters. You know, there's, uh, I, I don't know. I always feel like there's a male buffoon around who gets to like kind of knock down the femininity of yeah. the female characters. Right. And she doesn't have that because it's a solo mag. And so generally JJJ is the only one who does that. And he's clearly being a jerk and an idiot. right? And we, like, and we know him to be a jerk and an idiot. Right, exactly. Sometimes. And she like she comes out being like the clear winner of their confrontations. Yeah. Right. So like I think she's a good character. I think like she's a pretty good female. Like it's a pretty good first start even if the comic itself is not that good. At least like on the uh the 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 scale of like does this pass the smell test for just like not 
you know, pigeonholing this into like, well, she does fight Deathbird, but like, it's not like, you know, she's romance obsessed and she only fights other women, right? Like, that's the... No, just some, like, she, she does not fall, fall into that camp. Yeah. I, th- I think that's one thing that Claremont, uh, at least to my mind, gets a, a good deal of credit for. I think he, especially as he goes, makes concerted efforts to write every gender, every orientation, every race with some degree of carefulness. You know, I, I think he tries to actually, like, give multiple perspectives, yeah, I mean, even though Proudstar, it's not something he has so. lived, of course, as a writer. Yeah. What did you say, John yeah. Proudstar? I don't yeah, know if that's dra- I don't Proudstar. know if that's example number one necessarily. It might be a little lower on the has list. Been telling people that John Proudstar is my favorite mutant. I honestly kind of topical, shockingly topical. Um, it's not. I what do you absolutely mean it's not? no way they're going to follow up on that. First no off, way. spoilers. No way. Gonna... Second off, no. how dare you? They will. It's just going to dangle. Did you finish? Did you finish Hawks today? Uh, Zach, we're talking about 1977. And that comic I came know, out in 2019, I, and I, just I can't know. talk to you about it because everybody here is going to get mad. Well, I'm going I'm to erase all this. I'm just curious. This is just you and me, Dave. You're going to forget. Forget. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened at the end. Uh, you don't... I saw it, you little spoiler boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Miss Marvel, I think, is okay. Uh, I would... I check out more issues. I just didn't like this little A mark, but maybe other arcs are better. Yeah, I, I think check it out if you're if you're having the same take as Zach. I I think actually to clarify like my point about I don't love this character. I guess when I say that, I'm kind of more saying like I wish it didn't take until 2012 for me to have oh, yeah. a, a, a yeah, Carol yeah. Danvers series yeah. that I'd point to and be like, go read this. Like it takes right. such right. I a mean, long she time. Gets, she does get significantly cooler in the in the yeah. You know, and she gets at bats. I think is the is the concerning part. She gets opportunities. Um, yeah, there yeah, yeah. there are some characters who do not, and that's why it took them so long. Carol does, but it's just like nobody can crack it. You know until, what did surprise me about late. this is how like true to the character. Like this is pretty similar to the character we're going to read in the 2010s and in the the Captain Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think the only like big change is that uh, the like the pilot stuff is stripped out of this. To a degree. Um, well, and they they like, left out the scene so far in the movies where she's crashing onto Avengers uh, Tower, which is a shame. Because <laughs> yeah. those would have been. I'll, I'm looking forward to those, yeah. those in the outtakes. All right, so we got yeah. we got a bunch. Actually, I guess we don't have a ton here. We got some Avengers stories to talk about next. Coming down from Avengers Annual, let's just set the stage here. We're coming on down from the better Avengers story into number 160 to 162. And then 164 to 166. Now, I think actually one of the most interesting things about these stories, I like the first chunk better than the second, for sure. The first chunk is by Jim Shooter and George Perez. Uh, George Perez, of course, a very famous comic book artist who we have not mm-hmm. seen much of in the Marvel Universe, but taking over some Avengering duties. And the uh, second like- chunk is by Shooter as well, but John Byrne on art. So some pretty iconic artists on these stories. Zach, what did you think of the first chunk? It was okay. Uh, I I don't know. Like Wonder Man and Power Man are just. I just can't find. You it love in me Power Man. Get, like he's your favorite character. I don't remember who he is. Like, are you I kidding? You bragged for all of the Silver Age about dunking on me with your Power Man knowledge, and now you're gonna walk around time. here and like, then I like, like you don't even know him. My brain. Yeah, I don't know. Wonder Man's fine. This is like still wrapped up in like, who is Wonder Man? Is he a a man or a corpse walking? He's got a brother. Do they love each other? I like you know, the Grim Reaper shows up. He holds everybody hostage, all the Avengers, yep. and he puts them on trial, basically saying like, Wonder Man is a lot. 
Power Man? Wonder Man. Wonder, Wonder Man, Man is alive. Simon Williams, Wonder Man. Simon Williams, Wonder Man is alive, but also the Vision has Simon Williams brainwaves, That's which right. we saw in 1975. So there's two of my, my there's two brothers, and I only have one brothers. You can't have two brothers, so we need to decide which brother I'm keeping. Yeah, so it's all about Grim premise, Reaper keeping his like favorite dumb, brothers. It's like neither of these brothers want you as their brother. Like, well, Simon's a little torn because he's like still confused and he's like, is Grim Reaper my brothers? But Vision's really not very confused at all. He's like, listen, Grim, you've done this before in a story that introduced Black Panther to the Avengers and it was better than uh, props were yeah, RT. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, this Grim Reaper story, it's a kind of boring. It, it, it's yeah, weird I to mean, me that like it, Grim the Reaper. It's good. It flows fine. Yeah, George Perez like, is good. I'm, he's I'm he's not, not uh, in these characters. He's not amazing George Perez yet. I wouldn't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like him a lot later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was interesting to me is 161, attacked by the Ant-Man. 161 and 162, I think, cover... are, my, are my two favorite for sure here. Can I just say, the cover of 161 Woo! is maybe the horniest Marvel cover we've ever seen. The most, like, Gosh, fetish-y. you love Ant play. Horn... No, it's not me. I am, I am, <laughs> this is, this is not my bag. Uh-huh. But, like. This is definitely, like, whoever did this cover, definitely, like, Scarlet Witch is laid out in a very, like, playboy pose, but also, like, covered in bugs and grimacing. Like, it is, there's absolutely no way that this was not, like, an awakening moment for dozens of people. Oh, myself included. Um, yeah, sure. I, I ain't get enough of, of bugs crawling Ugh. over people. <laughs> George Perez has actually gone on record uh, that Scarlet Witch is his favorite Avenger to draw. And I think we see some of the reasons why here. Oh boy. <laughs> I uh, mean, it's a good drawing. It's a really good cover. It's just like, it's there's there's a little something going on here. Yeah, sure. Um, but it's a good story. So Ant-Man like sneaks into the Avengers base and he's like, who are all these people? Like, these are not the Avengers because he doesn't know a lot of the new Avengers. Fair point. He thinks he thinks Iron Man, like Iron Man's new suit is not his Silver Age, just yellow clunky suit. He doesn't know who Vision is. He thinks Captain America's a phony and he starts attacking all of them. And he almost takes out all the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, which is a very weird scene. Mostly until, with ants. Right. Yeah. Just by, I mean, some pretty like horrifying things where they're just like swarming with ants. And it's like, uh, I mean, he, he kind of flies off the handle. And at first I thought this was just going to be one of those like. Oh, we, you know, we just didn't have a conversation, so we have to fight. And then eventually someone will be like, hey, why are we fighting? And they'll all go like, oh, sorry for the ant attack, my pal. And they'll make up. Yeah. But his, when I thought that, I thought like, man, his attacks here, like the way he's attacking them is really unhinged. Mm-hmm. Right. He's just like, oh, you don't have any good explanation for why this Captain America isn't the real one? Attack my ants. And then like immediately Iron Man is like flying ants swarming into my armor through the eye slits and he's screaming in pain it's like <laughs> his mask fills with bugs it's really it's really upsetting yeah the Avengers are losing pretty badly until Janet Van Dyne aka the Wasp sort of comes to the rescue um she kind of thwarts Hank's attacks here and then she tells the Avengers basically uh yeah Hank's been losing his mind for a while now well I mean he's it's genuinely like he has mental he's mentally ill Right. And he is going through like a psychotic break. So it's not even just it's not some like, I don't know, it's not some super powered plot thing. It's literally just like, oh, you know, he struggles with like breaks from reality. Yeah. Right? Like this is a, a psychological issue that he should get actual 
you know, like professional help for. Yep. And she talks about how, she, you know, she couldn't get him to go to a psychiatrist. So she goes and the psychiatrist like talks to her about how to fix him from a distance, which is what any good psychiatrist would do. And tells her to keep him interested, which Jan takes to mean put on a sexy new costume. So it's nice pretty, job, psychiatrist. It's it's a I don't really like this costume. It's not. I don't know. It's a little. uh it's very, very uh, size, but before that was a yeah. thing, I guess. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she says literally that's the reason why she got the new outfit. Uh, and then this turns into Ultron bursting in. Wait, stealing. hang on. Before before oh, you share sorry, that sorry. detail about what comes next, I do have to point out that Beast drives Jan home after this incident. And when Janet gets to her place, she's kind of thinking about what she's lost with Hank and saying, you know, this was going to be our place. There is a photograph. Yeah. Of, of Reed just Richards. Reed Richards in this <laughs> house. You, what are they doing with that. a picture of just Reed in their it's house? In three different panels. There's three panels showing that Reed Richards it's not by himself is just smiling at the camera. Yeah, it's amazing. I I just I'm trying to picture like, can you imagine just having like a solo portrait shot of one of your good friends like in your bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of want to. That's very cute, actually. <laughs> that would be very funny. Uh, but, okay, you Yeah, and saying. then, like, she goes home. Uh, Hank is still at the Avengers Mansion while they just, like, crank some... They put his head in a machine and just, like... Yeah, it looks crank terrible. Crank it up. Very yeah, clockwork no, orange. No, Black Panther literally says, the pain is building to intolerable levels, Iron Man. <laughs> like, and, like, I they're not trying... They're... they're not intentionally torturing him here. Like, <laughs> No, they're trying to, like, bring his memories back or something by, like... Yeah. I mean, it's literally... It kind of reads like they're just doing electroshock therapy. Um... Can we talk about how Hawkeye's a cowboy now? Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on here. It's like, yeah, then once in a while they're just like, meanwhile, on the West Coast, Hawkeye is, you know, giving orientation to a literal 1800s cowboy who's The two-gun kid. Got zapped into the 1970s. Yeah. And, you know. Like, but so not only is he, he's introducing him to modern times where he is transported, but in doing so, so Hawkeye is wearing cowboy outfits all the time. Yep. 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 That is his thing now. He wears Ugh, a hat it's... and a bandana and, and a belt and boots. And this is maybe my favorite Clint's been in a very <laughs> long time. I like These not cutaways knowing are more about this. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad like I don't actually know what's happening here. Yeah. It's better. It's better without context. It's a rare thing. Um, And then... Okay, so let, let's get through this quick, because I don't think we need to linger on this. Ultron kidnaps uh, Janet Van Dyne, mm-hmm. or Janet Pym, and then he kidnaps Hank Pym, shows that he has tied up Janet, and he's transferring her mind into a robot, because he wants a wife. Everyone is so horny in this comic. Um, God, it's a lot of people, like... You might just, just want to, companionship. We don't know. Trying to brain... Yeah, brainwash a... Well, I mean, he definitely wants to kiss something metal. Um, don't we all? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Ultron looks pretty sexy in these issues, if I do say so myself. You know, your um, your descriptions of what is sexy is getting weirder and weirder. First, it was a horrifying <laughs> Modoc, thing. Ultron it was Modoc, a horrifying cover of, of Avengers swarmed in ants, and now Ultron. I appreciate this trend. Yeah. So um, I think the takeaway here is that Ultron tricks Hank into helping him transfer Janet's mind away. It doesn't take a lot, because uh, Hank's still like... Like, very fragile what's the word yeah fragile that's better and susceptible yeah yeah um and then janet's mind gets like half transferred to the robot before they like the avengers burst in and stop the transfer yep and then we are left with janet being like oh thank god this didn't happen and at some point ants came and like 
<clears throat> gave the gave the Avengers directions on where to find them. And Janet says, like, I didn't do it. And clearly Hank didn't. And there's a shot of showing, like, was it the robot, maybe? Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the, this is the big takeaway from this, is that, like, this robot becomes important. <laughs> yeah, and, the uh, Bride of Ultron is here. I do, there's, it's kind of an interesting ending where Iron Man, like, post-transfer, he's threatening He's holding uh, the Bride of Ultron. I'm, I won't use her name yes. yet because we don't know yeah. it. But he's holding her like he's got a gun to her head, basically, which is his repulsor blast. And he's like, Ultron, I'll do it. I will kill this bride you just made. And Ultron, you'd think, would be more unfeeling. He screams, no, do not harm my woman. I will tell you what you wish. Gives them the info they need to stop his doomsday device. And then Iron Man kind of later is like, man, would I kill that lady? I don't know. That was that was wild. Um, But yeah, yeah so... Iron Man's having a lot of those, like, man, uh, just... You gotta take a long, hard look in the mirror, huh? Well, moments lately. We're gonna. That's a good play on a cover, if you know what I'm talking about, because that's a coming. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that. He but is yeah, gonna yeah, look sure. into some uh, mirrors, baby. So, Bride of Ultron's you know here. Who She's is hanging my out in the least Avengers favorite mansion. reoccurring villain that I'm thinking of at the moment. I don't know if this is actually true, but uh, one of my It's either Ultron, if we're reading an Ultron comic, or Kang, it if is... we're reading a Kang comic, oh, God. or right, well, yeah. any of the other Avengers villains that you get all hot and bothered about. Yeah, Ultron has literally never worked for me. I think, like, he looks dopey, his plans are always just too, like, hmm. ha I will destroy you, and that's, like, the extent of it. This is the most interesting he's been, just trying to get himself a wife. Um, I'm trying to think know. of Ultron the just... best Ultron comic from here until 1990. It's probably the time that Daredevil beats him up with a stick in Acts of Vengeance. Yep, yep. Even though he's made of adamantium. That's in 1989. We have that to look forward to. Yeah, I don't know. Ultron, for whatever reason, just doesn't do it for me. Like, he's just a little too, like, I am programmed to be evil. He feels, uh, um, like, he feels kind of antiquated i guess yeah. in a way that well, you know so, someone in the slack to today P- peter was saying today in the slack that like jim starlin what do you say jim starlin jungle action and i think he's talking about the frank bruner doctor strange are the three things we've read that really feel like totally out of the silver age like completely their own thing they don't resemble the silver age and he's like he said a lot of it the rest of the stuff we're reading still keeps like one foot in the silver age and i think that's true what were the, the three Avengers that he said big way jungle Jungle Action, yeah. Frank Bruner's Doctor Strange, and Jim Starlin. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with that so far with what we've read. Yeah. No, I think Avengers in particular is, is yeah, one of the yeah, more yeah, rooted, sure. which definitely is, is the well, case Avengers, in the next Well, Avengers and then issues. all the stuff we're not reading, right? Like, there's a ton of stuff in oh, the club yeah, right now yeah. that we don't read that because of that probably, right? Like, Fantastic Four, a lot of Spider-Man. Stuff that's uh, not progressing or, or Iron Man, Hulk. new interesting things, I think, yeah, tends yeah, to exactly. get left off. Um, yeah. Speaking of not doing new interesting things, <laughs> I included <laughs> Avengers 164 to 166. Again. Oh my god, I forgot. I don't want to talk about Jimmy it. Jimmy <laughs> S. and Johnny Byrne. It's a it's an Avengers vs. Count Nefaria story. Um, Why is Count Nefaria a thing? Why are they trying to make this happen? Like He's a recurring Avengers story? villain from this time. I mean, he's still hanging I around know. today. We're going to see uh, him. You, I don't... I, these comics don't do a ton for me, so I don't have a ton no, to say. No, they were but. really boring for me, too. I, th- yeah, I mean, there's the, like, what are they, the Legion of Evil or The Lethal something? Legion. Good, solid Lethal name, Legion. but a pretty boring team. It's Power Man yeah. is here, and he's he's got issues with Wonder Man because he wants to be like Wonder Man, and he's still not quite as good. Um, yeah, Whirlwind hanging around, some others. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to yeah, go into yeah. here. Uh, let's see. The Wizard is basically the Flash of Marvel. He's oh. an old man who should be retired, and he's also Scarlet Witch's dad. Yeah, let's talk time, about that which... a little. 
Uh, so I this mean, is that's the, literally it. Right? So we're actually getting a build here, and there's actually a tease in one of these issues where Quicksilver and Wanda think the wizard is their dad, right? We saw this referenced during the wedding, I think, of Quicksilver and mm-hmm. Crystal. And this is Wanda and Pietro's parentage. You know, I mentioned, I think at the time, like, I just so don't care about who their real dad mm-hmm. is, because or mom even, because it's been messed with so many times. We're actually going to see this play out, and I kind of take back my statement there, because I've sensed on a deep dive on this, um, which you could even explore on the Compa Carol YouTube channel. And uh, it's actually pretty wild, <laughs> like the amount of Marvel Universe connective tissues they've had oh, in terms just, of parents. Just wait until, like, there's a panel that made me lose my mind having to do with their parentage yeah. uh, later on. Yeah. It's just... Incredible. Are you thinking the the stuff with the high evolutionary? I'm gonna guess it's bovine <laughs> in nature. Oh my god! Incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's weirdly, it's just like they, Marvel really wants this to be something that's interesting to you, and it's just it's not. There's a there's a decent story. We're actually not too far away from um in the coming years that that will address some of this, and we'll talk about it then. In the meantime, we got two issues left to talk about. We got what if number one and Howard the Duck. Oh, wait, number wait, wait, wait. So I just want to say the only thing that came, the only good thing that came out of me reading these Count Nefaria issues mm-hmm. is that I was like, oh, man, is Count Nefaria going to be a thing for a while? So I went to Marvel Unlimited under characters because you can yeah. sort by like character appearances. I looked up Count Nefaria and saw that like he disappears for a while. He's not like a big deal forever, but he's in an no. unbeatable Squirrel Girl issue, which I've never read any of that. And I was just like, yeah, a more sure, recent I'll read one. This. And I read it. And that comic is charming. Oh, you would that love Unbeatable a... Squirrel Girl. Oh, my God. Or, I read I one you know issue of it. It was so good. It was yeah. like Count Nefaria, Dr. Octopus, and Nightmare all weaved in. And it was like so funny. That co- I'm so excited to get to that comic. I you're going to love Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Unquestionably. She, she was like, oh, this is Deadpool, but good. I'm like, uh, Yeah, that's a tough comp because that's not flattering for squirrel girl they're trying to do pretty different things um, i mean she's not doing the agree, meta thing good. but the like the commentary at the bottom is kind of trying to do the meta thing that's a good point at that's pretty fourth wall breaking this issue was very meta too this was like playing in her dreams and it was doing a lot of like winking at the uh at the audience so that's i don't know true. if that's consistently what it's yeah yeah at. it's it's inventive uh more often yeah. than not at times oh, man I, that, I really liked it i guess yeah. i wish deadpool was so interesting comparison yeah. all right let's talk about what if number one yeah. This is yeah, uh, a new magazine launching at Marvel Comics, here written and sort of conceived of by Roy Thomas. And What If takes things that we take for granted in the Marvel Universe and it casts them in a new light. And it says, What if? What, what was the question here? What if Spider Man joined the Fantastic Four, right? What if Zach kissed Vision? What if? <laughs> <laughs> I had another idea other than what Zach was writing in the Google Doc we're sharing right now. Uh, I do not. But yeah, so what if it's a cool premise? Um, this is something that actually is going to be launched on the MCU as an animated series, or on Disney Plus as part of the MCU slate as an animated series, which I'm quite excited for. Yeah, very Generally good, yeah. speaking, the questions asked in the concepts are more compelling than the way they actually play out in the story. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I thought that. <laughs> yeah, there aren't a lot of like great comics here necessarily. They all, they almost all tend to take a sort of depressing angle, which I think is interesting. They rarely end well. Um, let, well, let, let's talk about what happens here so that okay. then we can like use it as a, a springboard. So what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? It would be that Sue Storm gets sidelined, you know, as the woman of the group in the silver age they're kind of referring to like yeah. the the attitudes of reed richards in the silver age she would get sidelined and then she would decide to go marry namor 
And that's yeah, what would so happen. it's like because and she's she would not like, because she doesn't really have as much of a role with the team because Spider Man's taking the role and like and like things go pretty well for Spider Man and and company, right? Like they live out the Fantastic Four Silver Age adventures and Spider Man fits in really well once they get going. But Sue right. feels like you know the odd the odd woman out, if you will. As a result, she decides, yeah, I'm gonna go marry Namor. Um, she has a big. There's a big scene, a big moment where, you know, she's talking to everybody. They're all in the same room. It's like, who are you going to pick, Reed or Namor? And she picks Namor, which I feel like actually you and I are probably on the same page in terms of like, yeah, I'm, yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah, good with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for Get it. it. <laughs> Reed's kind of a jerk at this point. Um, yeah. So she does that. What then happens, though, is she very quickly begins suffocating because she can't breathe underwater. <laughs> oh, but then Namor puts her underwater, so she's fine. She can only now breathe underwater, though, which means... She can no longer she can know, only now with, kiss hang out with her brother. Oh, good. You know, I like you're looking at the glass all the way full because they're underwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is this is weird because it's just like this, I think this is my problem with the what if series. I mm-hmm. think the what if series should ask a question about like what if something fundamental about a story or a character was different, right? Uh-huh. And then take that and say like if it changed then that would fundamentally change the story or the character. Like what if Thanos had a third nipple? More significant or less? More significant. So like, Dave, come on, this is a serious podcast. Very serious What if Spider-Man, you know, what if uh, Aunt May was shot instead of Uncle Ben, which is a real example. Sure. I think that's a good one. Uh, They should either take that and say like, the death of Uncle Ben is so integral to the story of Spider-Man that Mm -hmm. it changes everything to have that be different. Uh-huh. Right, like, and this is the interesting way that, like, that was the hinge on what everything, like, that's the fulcrum point that everything hinged on. Or you do something like showing that no, that actually doesn't matter. That however things played out, things would have naturally found their way to this anyway. Right, like okay. it was inevitable that he was going to become Spider-Man. Which uh, you know, uh, like, there's a Punisher story, which is like, what if the Punisher's family survived? Right, and like, it's basically like, you know, he, what is it? He doesn't become the Punisher, he becomes a cop, and then his family gets killed that way or something. I can't remember. But it's like, basically, you know, because of who he is, it's inevitable that things are going to play out in a certain way. I think those are the interesting stories where they say, like, you know, what is the core to this character? And if that changes, what, like, you know, what what really fundamentally changes about all of this? Not like, if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four, Sue would marry Namor. Something like... A random series of just like, let's just push a snowball down the hill and see where it hits. You know, it's like, this felt like a Plinko machine. Plinko? It is kind Plinko. of a weird first choice. I mean, definitely it's like, in terms of Spider-Man history, I mean, that's that's Amazing Spider-Man number one, obviously. So it's like, there's that big moment there where he visits Fantastic Four, where theoretically- yeah, I mean, That's all so fun. I, I loved all the buildup to it, like seeing like all these classic Silver Age scenes and then watching them slowly play out in different ways. Like they show that the chameleon, which was one of Spider-Man's first villains, I think yeah. in Spider-Man number one would be like, oh, well, Spider-Man is famous now, so I can't defame him. Oh, well, I guess I won't become a villain. You know, like that, that stuff is fun. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Like, but, you know, like played out like, oh, he becomes famous with the Fantastic Four. So that means that like Spider-Man never becomes a big deal on his own, which means that like Green Goblin never you know, takes off that, you know, that like changes something about like the entire makeup of where Spider-Man went. Yeah. Right. Like in a way that makes sense, not just kind of like some arbitrary, like, oh, it would cause a, you know, chaos theory, right? Like, yeah. One thing you don't get a lot of in these issues is changes in the pages of Spider-Man. It definitely looks at it more from the perspective of how would Fantastic Four change? 
you yeah, know, right. with some minor exceptions, uh, <clears throat> which I think is probably kind of a missed opportunity. All right. I hear what you're saying. I think it's going to be interesting. There are two that I'm looking at. I'm going to tease here for the 78 Club. I don't know if we'll read these or not, but the two that I'm looking at that the titles really intrigue me. Number one, what if Rick Jones had become the Hulk? No, I'm just kidding. Boo. <laughs> I'm oh, just kidding. I thought you were serious. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at like, it because I know how much you don't like Rick Jones, but that's not the one that intrigues me. The ones that do, what if the Avengers had fought evil during the 1950s? This is compelling. Uh-huh. This is an odd twist. Okay. What if Jane Foster had found the Hammer of Thor? That one, I think, actually stands out probably Ooh, most. Yeah. Oh, you know what? So we were talking about this like in the chat once, but like, there's so many what ifs, and like, I don't think we need to necessarily like read them all for the club. I think it might be fun to just like, because how many are there, right? Like, there are many? 47 in Marvel Unlimited through the year like 1984. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a fun idea for us to like make this a segment and a variant cover that we just read like. For the next variant cover, we read number two, and the next we read three, because I think these are fun, like, uh, these would be fun jumping off points for conversation about, like... So, agree yeah. with what you're saying, except I'm not going to read them. <laughs> I just want to talk about the topic. <laughs> well, I, I can read them, and then, like, I'll tell you what happened, and then we can, you know, spitball about this, because I think that's a fun idea, and, like, all these are kind of, like, at least fun to talk about how dumb they are, or if they find something interesting about the, you know, the character. Well, what I tend to find most interesting is looking at the title... And then looking at when it came out and thinking like, <laughs> this has, this has become a thing in Marvel. Oh, sure, like so right. many of these I mean, what ifs have become a thing. Like what if Sergeant Jane Fury and the, and the Howling Commandos had fought World War II in outer space, right? It's just kind of like this out there concept. And it's like kind of not that far removed from some stuff that I know about. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. there's, there's a number of these, obviously the Jane Foster one that I mentioned where it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's probably going to be a thing. Like the second one is what if Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner? Like this just becomes like a very regular plot point. In, right. in future yeah, Hulk yeah, stories. Yeah. So without, you know, without really without spoiling any details. So yeah, what if I think is definitely something we're going to keep a talking about. Um, if you have a favorite what if, I would love to hear about it because it's definitely a series that I am less familiar with. Go ahead and write us at mymarvelousyear@gmail.com, or you can tweet Zach anywhere at mymarvelousyear. Or yeah, I'll be bringing you can go to Zach's lot. house. His address is... <laughs> You can bleep out here, and uh, you can just go visit and knock on the door. We've made that joke a lot. And say hi to his jellyfish. <clears throat> Have I? I don't think oh, I've yeah. ever given yeah, out yeah. your address No, no, before. no. I, I had to deal with this before people being like, all right, Zach, when can I show up? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with it. It was fine. It, was it seems very unlikely I would ever repeat a joke. That does not sound like me. Howard That's the Duck. True. Number yeah. eight. This is... Which one is this? Howard runs for president. Howard the Duck runs for president here in 1977. Uh-huh. You know, last time we read Howard the Duck, I kind of got the vibe. Maybe, maybe it wasn't your favorite because you asked me questions like, Dave, why is this? <laughs> Dave, what is <laughs> no, happening? No, I liked it. I liked it last time. <laughs> I, I was like, I thought it was a little uh, a little watery, but I like generally was on board with it. Yeah, I know. You know what? Uh, I think actually gets a little harder about Howard as it progresses into like what is year two now of the the Steve Gerber run is mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit less um, obvious like comic book satire or like playing mm-hmm. with comic tropes and more maybe like sort of satire or a lot of times just like cynicism about the times. <laughs> yep. Right, which is which is obviously like the political one is going to be that, but the ones that I kind of appreciate more now are like, oh, this is a pastiche of of Conan the Barbarian or um, you know, Master of Kung Fu, and Howard the Duck number eight is is not anything like that. It's just like, hey, the American political system is wild, and I bet a duck could be president, which is actually very Black Mirror of of Gerber and Co. in seventy seven because they're probably right, like probably a duck could be president. I mean, um, have you seen that episode of Black Mirror with the uh, that with the animated bear? 
thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's I a have. Good, that's a good episode. I that I, one, uh, I actually think it's really I, well done. Yeah, but it's also like upsettingly real. It was pretty depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty depressing episode. Um, yeah. Howard the Duck, number eight. It's like Howard doesn't even really want to run for president. It's like he's kind of got like almost nothing to do with it. The The spokesperson and the publicist are like, hey, we actually don't really want you to say or do anything. We just want to use your likeness um, in this election. He's also, there's also like a collective of assassins that are out to kill Howard throughout this. And probably the weirdest, uh-huh. probably the weirdest decision that's made in this comic. Like, I'm not really sure what the attempted assassinations on Howard's life really, really contribute, you know, in terms of commentary or anything. Um, nope. But you get, there's a few things I like here. One is there's a panel where Gerber writes out what Howard's speech would have been in all text, like small text above right, the yeah, page. Yeah. And it's yeah, one like of like, prose, it's yeah. the maybe the most, yeah, it's like a prose page. Um, It's just like a written speech. I kind of love that it's there. Like, we just don't see that in comic book styling. And it's also like, it feels very much like a speech Howard would give, where basically it's like, and it, but it also feels like Gerber, you know, yelling at you. Like, hey, you lazy bum, you know, you like fast food and TV and you're worthless. <laughs> like, it's pretty much the bent. Um, yeah, it's But pretty, it feels, it feels like, like a speech that an, an angry old crank would give. Yeah, which again, like, I don't get. Like, are we supposed to laugh at Howard the Duck for being like, are we, are we making fun of Howard the Duck for being like a cranky old centrist? Who just is telling everybody like, I don't eh, think everybody's stressed out about everything and everyone just needs to, you know, everyone needs to relax and stop yelling. It's not, and it's like, it's not comedy. Are we supposed, it's not like no, laugh out loud comedy. No, but I, I don't know if like Howard is the satire or he is the one who's speaking like truth to power, you know? So I think it's, it's like, that. I think it's supposed to be truth to power. Yeah, which is like a very, like, I think it's a very, very dull, like, you know, he's asked a, a question during this thing. Mr. Duck, which do you favor, conditional amnesty or a blanket pardon for Viet- Vietnam draft evaders? Yeah. Howard, neither. I favor education. Like, okay. It's just like... I mean, I don't have any reason to like, believe, and I don't know the man, and I've done no research on this, <clears throat> that these aren't just Gerber's political positions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay. I have a feeling he would probably <laughs> probably was like, hey, I think this sounds awesome um, and preferable to the way the system operates now. I don't mind him throwing them out there through the, through the mouth of Howard. No, it's fine. It's just, it's not... That interesting. It's just kind of dull. Right? Like, it's very, uh, I don't know. Like it, it is kind of like what I said before, where it's just like, if you want to do this satirizing of something, you got to amp it up a little bit, right? Like, it has to be, like, a little ridiculous, or it's just going to read as, like, kind of cranky, right? Like, Well, I think the ridiculous part in the minds of the creators here is, well, one, all the insane assassination stuff going on. But two, yes, that, that like, is. the fact that Howard's running, but he's in no way involved. And just, like, the, the absurdity of everyone around him like running this campaign on his behalf but like with no interest in the actual candidate himself or any of his beliefs i feel like that's the absurdity they're highlighting at least in the yeah. early going yeah i don't know i mean like reading through that interview that he does he has a lot of positions and they're all just like you know eh, everyone's acting a little hysterical nowadays we all just need to calm down and have a cigar you know and it's just like i don't know um so I, would you, know, you vote for howard no of course not it reminds wow, me of... Wow, uh, big Carter nomination. You heard it here Hale. first on the MMY pod. We stand with Carter. Well, Historically like, uh, great Hale's... president. <laughs> I don't know what you're getting at here. <laughs> you, I'm getting at classic Carter jokes. Take a stance jokes. on Carter? No. Uh, there's a... Uh, you already did. You, you know Hail Caesar by the Cohen brothers? <clears throat> sure do you. This is like pretty close to that in that I feel like when they're making fun of something, they're also kind of lovingly creating it, right? At least with the first three that we read. Right, because Hail Caesar is like really making fun of that old Hollywood 
but it also is like kind of a loving homage of right. it at the same time. Right. Like those musical dance numbers are incredible. Amazing. And this is kind of got that part down where I think the comic itself is very good. It flows well. It looks nice. Like the dialogue is snappy, mm-hmm. but like it also isn't taking a hard enough stance uh, or not a hard enough stance. It's just not like sharp enough in its satirizing, right? Like it's it's like a really fine line to walk. And I just don't think this this quite nails it for me. I mean, I guess it, I, I haven't read a ton of it, but it kind of feels like a Mad Magazine style satirization, right, which exactly, I don't think if like I read a lot of late 70s safe. Mad Magazine, I'd be like, this is cutting edge. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of the nature right, of the right. beast. Yeah. And the only reason I think I like, I can finish an issue of this and not, not brand F is that like the actual comic is pretty well written. Like, you know what I mean? Like the um, well structured and, and easy to make it through. Whereas not brand X exactly. is like yes. bad, bad gag after bad gag. That maybe is like right, way too inside baseball. Yeah. And, and Howard the Duck is definitely not that it's much better than brand Eck. Um, yep. but yeah, I, I won't, I like, I like the fact that Howard exists because it's kind of weird and it's just kind of strange that this thing even happened. I'd be curious to see like the different Comics iterations line. of him over the years. I uh, I don't know that you would. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty yeah, obvious. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. There's like there's this his debut, and then there's a bunch of weird sort of failed attempts before like 2015, and then oh, okay. there's a formula that kind of works again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then the movie, which we will have to watch at some point. Uh, um, you know, we should do an I mean, MMI if, wa- watch if, along for for HDD. yeah. We should we should do a My Marvelous Year uh, Marvel watch along, but we only are going to watch Howard the Duck, the like Captain America nineteen ninety two movie. Yeah, I think we should only and... watch the non MCU stuff. Oh, I don't even want to do that because then we'd have to watch like Blade, Spider Man, and the Fantastic have to watch Four. Blade. How dare you? Oh, I don't like Blade. What? I don't like those movies. I, well, I've hardly ever I, seen I, Blade, I so I can't really say. I haven't seen the first one, but I don't like the second one, and the third one's terrible. That's what makes it fun. Wait, have you not seen, you haven't seen Blade, the first one? I've seen enough of Blade that I can feel like I've seen Blade, but I don't think I've actually seen <laughs> I Blade. I used to really like it when I was a kid, uh, but I don't remember it Wow, calls but Blade lovers I've seen lovers the second one lately boys. and it bored the pants off me. Calls them chill. Your pants came off again? Good grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many times this episode. All right, yeah. so that's going to do it for us for 1977 part one. Poll, before we forget. Our poll for the yeah. year. Zach, hit him. Okay, so we were talking to some people in the Slack, or I was. Um, I was talking to some people in the Slack about how Marvel Unlimited retouches up all these comics. You know, like they remaster them color-wise so that these bright, vibrant colors compared to the original color grading of the, like, original printed floppies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's some disagreement on whether or not people kind of like those old floppies or if they prefer the new colored editions. Um, And so that is the poll this year. Do you prefer the original color grading of the like, you know, straight out of the page comic book. I'm talking like, I guess pre, when did they switch to like glossy pages and floppies? When did that become standard? Like late 90s, early 2000s? No clue. Okay. Well, it was because I mean like the 90s still had those like, you know, what is it? Rough paper. It's not non-glossy paper. They used to make them out of sand. Exactly. Yeah. Sand, sand books. Do you remember sandpaper covers? Ouch. I don't know what you're talking about Ouch. anyway but i i think all all people know what i'm talking about they they like the comic the printing style of the like 60s 70s 80s into the 90s or the retouched up versions that we get in marvel unlimited where they kind of make the colors pop sharpen up the lines remove the grain etc so which do you prefer can i add a poll that i don't want anyone to answer which is yeah, sure. would you prefer the comics kept in the original ads or did not and you can go ahead and write why you'd prefer it at mymarvelousyear at gmail.com. Because oh, I can't I would, imagine anyone saying they wouldn't want them. 
I would really like those at the end of every comic. I don't want them in the middle of the comic. Oh, you actually don't want them throughout. No, I wouldn't want them throughout. For me, I want them throughout until about... uh, what? Probably until any point that I was actually collecting comics. So, like, until 2010, I'm probably still curious for nostalgia's sake to see what the ads were. Like, I just got a a copy of an original Jungle Action floppy, right? And I was, like, flipping through it, and I was like, oh, man, this is really ugly. Like, you've got this one page of beautiful comic art, and then the next page is full of, like, you know, it's one of those 40 ads packed onto one page. It's actually kind of altering your your enjoyment of the art. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I I just like seeing them. I just think it's so fascinating. I'd like those at the end, yeah. Letters pages for sure, too. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, you can find all these reading lists in the show notes or over at patreon.com slash year. Music for yeah, My Marvelous Year is by no, no, Disasterpiece. No. Beg, beg people a little bit. For well, money. we shouldn't do it at the end. You got to do it at the beginning. Marketing 101. Too late. Okay. Please give us money. Uh, Please. We work, we work hard. And uh, I want to do the ultimate show. Yeah. Thanks, so. everybody, for supporting us on patreon.com slash year. No, no, no. Sound... God, sound more pathetic, please. Well, I'll sound pathetic at the front. We got to do it at the start of our episodes. I always forget. All you right. always forget. Next time, 1977 end. Part 2, Dave. I mean, audience retention. Swears and now that he will grovel. Uh, I will grovel at the start of 77 Part 2. So come join us. And Zach will be pantsless. It'll be a whole thing. Uh, again, subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. Por favor. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece. And... Uh, I believe that is all of the big stuff that we try to get out of the way. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you for 77 Part 2 next year. No, that's not how it goes. We'll see you next year. Yeah, clumsy. See you next year. Clumsy. You're clumsy. We just got called out for the first time ever for uh, someone saying, like, if you're saying it's, you know, see you next year during a Part 1 episode, technically, you're not next year. Uh, That is uh, so pedantic. More McGill. More More McGill. But, like, I mean, come on. From a Namor fan, so we can't take it too seriously. You know, I've got a newfound respect for <laughs> Namor fans. I've been doing some Namor reading lately. It's um, so funny. He really likes Namor despite the fact that he's just like, man, I wish Namor comics were better. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, I read them all, but uh, yeah, they just don't stack up. But uh, love the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think on, uh, on catchphrases and sign-offs and things, we agreed long, long ago to just keep it consistent rather than yeah, keep it yeah, yeah, technically yeah. accurate because that would sound good. All right, well, we already did the sign-off now. What are we going to say now? That's a good point. If we've already said it, I guess we should adjust to the people's demands. We will see you next half of the year in part two. How was that? See what you've done, more, Miguel? All right, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I, I stopped your recording. <laughs> you stopped it for me? <laughs> <laughs>